All right, well, I don't know. Kid Crypto might be running a little late, so um, we're going to start anyway um, with today's spaces. We haven't done one in a while. It's also going to be recorded as a podcast for the TikTok Next Block podcast presented by Omni Ventures. So hopefully Kid Crypto gets on and um, we can we can talk. Kid Crypto is a, a veteran uh, like myself of uh, Wall Street. I think he was pretty much always on the trading end of the business. Uh, myself, I was sales first and then got to the trading end of the business. So both of us have over 20 years experience. So combined, got over 40 years experience. Um, we're going to talk about everything and anything, though. Um, we will discuss um, not just you know finance, economics, stock market, um, crypto. Obviously, really want to center around blockchain technology and crypto. But we're going to talk about everything and anything else. Um, Kid Crypto likes to throw it down once in a while, so um, we do have, um, I do want to talk about a couple of things that I know Kid Crypto is totally into uh, MMA. I came across an interesting uh, article, like when I opened up Google Chrome on my phone, there was a, an article about, um, I don't know who she is, Paige Van Zant. She's apparently a uh, MMA fighter, so I wanted to talk to Kid Crypto about that, so hopefully he gets on. Um, Oh, and the other thing was, uh, I also seen, it was actually on Instagram, was the girl, the actress that played Adriana on Sopranos, um, what the hell's her name? Uh, I can't remember her name, Adriana, uh, I can't remember her last name, but anyway, I seen her on Instagram, uh, and they have, her and that page, Van Zant have something in common, so... Uh, we wanted to talk to Kid Crypto about that. Um, but anyway, I don't know where he is. So we're just going to start. I'll save the MMA stuff for um, here in a few minutes. Uh, hopefully um, he gets on. If he doesn't come on, I'll save it for next time that we talk. Um, but I do want to talk today about um, two big news items that hit today actually because um, we're going to hold these with kid crypto we're going to hold these twice a week so some of it will be accumulated news but today just happens to be a, a busy news day so the first one was um at first it started out as a rumor that blackrock filed for a ethereum etf um i had seen or er, later throughout the day it was confirmed by the nasdaq and I actually seen the actual filing um, by the NASDAQ for, uh, I guess, on behalf of BlackRock and BlackRock's filing, obviously, with the SEC. So it only makes sense that they file for an Ethereum ETF. Last time I looked, which was maybe 45 minutes ago, Ethereum was up over 11% for the day. Um, it makes sense because, obviously, they, they, they've already filed for the Bitcoin um, ETF, uh, haven't been approved yet by the SEC. A lot of people are expecting it to be approved. The CEO of BlackRock what's his name, Larry Fink, he um, is expecting it to be approved. So if he's expecting it to be approved, it's going to be approved. It's just a matter, it's not a matter of if, but certainly a matter of time. Um, they are so uh, influential when it comes to the investing world. BlackRock manages over $9 trillion. As far as the Ethereum ETF, it makes actually makes more sense from a business perspective for BlackRock than a Bitcoin um, ETF. And I'll, and I'll explain to you why. So Ethereum, you can value Ethereum on a cash flow model um, as 
uh, Van Eck has explained in their research. Hey, there's Kid Crypto. Uh, let me see. How do I make him a... I have to see how I make him a... What do you call... I think you might have to ask to be a speaker, Kid Crypto. Yeah, because I click you, nothing happens. I think you have to ask to be a speaker. Like, um, there should be something that you can raise your hand or something. <clears throat> okay, anyway, so let me get back to what I was talking about. Um, so it makes more sense for BlackRock to have from a business perspective, for BlackRock to have uh, an Ethereum. Okay, da, 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 approve. Okay, I think you're, you're approved, huh, Kid Crypto? Yeah, I think so. All right, all right. Yeah, I can hear you. Awesome. Um, so I, was, I, I started it, and, and um, I was... Just right now talking about the news from today uh, in the crypto space, but now that you're here, I want to see if you read the news about uh, that came out from uh, one of the MMA fighters because I know you're into uh, MMA. Uh, I, I get a bunch of news. What, okay, what it's, story? It's, it's, it's a. I'll give you a hint. It's a chick. No. Okay. So I, didn't see I, one I I don't know who she is. So I opened up uh <laughs> I opened up Google Chrome on my phone and it automatically populates stories, right? From uh like that Google um things I I, I I like, right? So it's it'll be like sports, right? MMA, football, hockey, that kind of stuff, and obviously a lot of uh, investing in crypto stuff. But so it said Paige Van Zant. Do you know who she, who she is? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I know who she is. Is is she, she? I think it said that she's retired MMA now. Is that right? Yeah, she went into bare knuckle fighting. Are you for real? Did she really? Oh yeah, man. What was she? She, she she's over the top. Um, she's she's a good looking chick. You know, in the beginning when she came up, she was doing good, but then as the competition got a little rough. Uh, even when she went over to bare knuckle fighting, she got the snot knocked out of her. Okay, so it's funny that you say she's a good looking chick. So <laughs> that leads to to what the story was. So I didn't know who she was, right? So I guess, like you just said, she was pretty good at one point, right? Right. So it says she has an OnlyFans page now, <laughs> and it said she's making more money on OnlyFans than she ever made in MMA. Oh, I believe it. Really? That's I insane. I mean, if you're an, Yeah, but 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 you would think being an MMA fighter, that's a professional fighter that they would have paid her pretty well. They don't they really don't pay that well. That's why you see that's why you see them all dropping out when they've been in there. Uh, if you look at uh if you look at UFC, they have two other I don't even know if they're competition because everybody talks about getting in the UFC. But Bellator is up and coming. And yeah. Bellator gets a lot of UFC fighters over there. And what's what's his name? And Ganu just fought Fury for the title. 
and went the full distance with him. So, so so he made more money in that fight than he did while he was under contract with the UFC. No kidding. Are you for real? Oh yeah, yeah. So you so know. so what's what in that type of uh, fighting? What's the biggest one? UFC or MMA? Well, they consider MMA uh, 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 includes all the martial arts. Like MMA is Bellator. They have another one. I forget what the heck what the heck in Legacy. Oh. And they have uh, UFC, Bellator, and Legacy, and they have a bunch of other ones too. You, you, UFC, UFC is where Dana White had, right? Yeah, yeah, he's still there. Oh, is he? And then Joe Rogan, he was like an yeah. announcer or whatever, a ring announcer or some shit. Remember? Yeah, still is. I mean, on the big fights. Oh no, I didn't know that. No shit, I haven't watched it in, in forever. Yeah. I was you just know, I was just blown away that she's making more on OnlyFans than she than she ever she said than she ever made fighting, which is kind of sad because well, you're putting your body through this hellhole of fighting, you know. She turned around, and when she first came up, she would sit there and wiggle her junk and all this other kind <laughs> of stuff, <laughs> and she's a hottie. And she would put all these posts out there, come and watch me. So I'd sit there and I watched her, and she was okay. But as she, like I said, as the competition got tougher, she started to get hit. She started to lose. Then I didn't see her. And I was saying, I wonder what the heck happened to her, man. I haven't seen her in a long time. And I, I watch, if I get a chance, I watch that bare knuckle fighting. Mm. And I... Even Mike Perry, who was who was at one time a contender in the UFC, I forget what weight class, but Mike Perry, he's bare knuckle fighting. He won his the last fight I saw him in. He won, but these guys they stay with him and they complain about the money. That's why what's his name? Who's the guy? The YouTube boxer um, that that got famous. The blonde-haired guy. Oh, the kid, uh, uh, him him, and his brother making all those goofy videos years ago? Yeah, well, he basically made himself a millionaire. Yeah. And he pays the fighters. He started his own promotions. And when he fought, he promoted everything himself. He would pay the other fighter a million bucks. Oh, wow. They don't make that, you know, like this guy, Cowboy, uh, Donald Cerrone, he just retired from UFC. I don't know how long he's going to stay out because he was very active, but he was he had a big fan following. And he was. He had a ranch in Texas. I think it's in Texas, if I'm not sure. But, you know, they'd always show him video riding horses and doing other stuff. And he was tough. But as these guys take the beating that they take, you know, I mean, there's no, when you're down on the ground, in my opinion, when you're down on the ground on your back looking up at the ceiling, you shouldn't, the reps should jump in. Yeah, right. They don't. So these guys take a lot of, a lot of punishment. So I had, t talking about the, the fighting scene, I had seen, I think I may have told you, I seen a documentary, I think it's on HBO, of uh, Oscar De La Hoya. Phenomenal document. If you get a chance to watch it, it's a phenomenal documentary. I think it's two parts, if I remember correctly. So this dude 
he, well, you know, pound for pound, one of the best fighters ever, arguably, right? Uh, won, won a gold medal for the United States as a young man. He, uh, his mom had passed away before the Olympics, so he, he fought for his mom. Um, he actually says in a documentary that was all a lie because he wasn't extremely close to his mother because his mother really didn't show much. His parents, as a matter of fact, didn't show much love towards their children whatsoever. But he wow. used it as fuel in his own brain to fight. Like, you know, to at that point in his, in his young career um, and to fight through the Olympics, he wanted to, to and the, the world, like we, I remember, like we, everyone in America, we all accepted, like, oh my God, we were all cheering for this kid because he's, he's fighting on behalf of his mother who died, you know, four months ago or whatever it was. And we all fell for it, but it fueled, it fueled his, his, his uh, competitive spirit and he ends up winning the gold medal, comes back and now he's this big He's from uh, East L.A., huge celebrity in L.A., and the press ate it up, and he becomes who he becomes over time, right? He was saying in this documentary, he said his entire life, he never was told by his father that he was proud of him or loved him. Until about two years ago, he said, I decided to tell my dad I loved him. And he said, I was scared, I was nervous, I was emotional. And he's like, it was so awkward. He's like, we got together and he's like, I kind of like patted him from around on his back, like from almost from a distance. And he's like, you know, I love you, Pop. And he said, my father broke down and started crying immediately. And he said, I love you so much, son. He said, I'm so proud of you. I can't fathom that, man. Honestly, I can't fathom. You're, you know, every, as a parent, you, you're supposed to acknowledge and tell your children you love them and you're proud of them, even if not even for accomplishing anything, you should be proud of them, right? As long as they're good people. And this kid, this kid was arguably the greatest fighter, one of the greatest fighters of all time, certainly in his weight class for many, many years. And his father never said, I'm proud of you, son. I, he never said, I love you. Holy smokes. <laughs> Imagine what he had inside of him when he got into the ring. Oh my goodness gracious! Right? When 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 the father doesn't say stuff like that, and then on the other hand, you have guys like Fury, whose father looks to beat the hell out of the whole other team. <laughs> exactly. Besides, yeah. So so going back to OnlyFans. So this is funny. So I come across that today, right? So then. Um, um, I open up my Instagram scrolling through. I follow the chick that played Adriana on um, on uh, Sopranos. Uh, she was oh, yeah. she was Christopher's girlfriend, right? So she's like yeah. in her she's like in her fifties today. She still looks you know she still looks good. She doesn't get a lot of work. I listened to her on some podcasts about Sopranos, and she said that was the first couple seasons. She didn't make much money on Sopranos. Uh, you know she's like I did okay, but I didn't become wealthy. Um, it was the, not until the later part of Sopranos where she really started to make some money. And then she had done some other projects after Sopranos. And one of the interviews was in her house in Malibu, which she was selling at the time. And she said, this house was not bought with Soprano money. This house was bought with whatever project money. Um, but so I, I see 
on Instagram and she <laughs> posts, she posts a really nice picture of her, like, you know, from the side and she's like on a couch or something, her long legs and stuff. <laughs> and she's on OnlyFans. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> We've got celebrities and professional athletes going on OnlyFans. <laughs> Tell me about it. They make a ton of money. You can't make they this make shit up, dude. You can't. You can't make it up. And you wonder why. And that's because of the way that they were treated when they were in their prime in that in, in the profession that they were in. Not only that, she, not, not only that, she she was the interview I heard from her a couple of years ago. She was selling her house. She's like, I can't afford it anymore because she had a place in California, a place in New York, and she's like, I think she was selling both places and was going to move into a smaller place in California. She's like, I can't afford this lifestyle anymore because she don't get any work. Like mm -hmm. she hasn't worked. She was on Breaking Bad for like w half of one season. Um, she she did some other things after Sopranos, but she probably hasn't worked in fifteen years. The money's only going to last so long. Oh yeah, yeah. people think uh, that's what that's what I say to people. People think that when you when you make a lot of money, that a million dollars goes a long way. A million dollars. If you were given a million dollars, you're taking home five hundred grand. Right. Okay, that's taken home. $500,000 when you're spending $300,000 on a decent house. That doesn't go far because you only got two hundred grand left. You better have some income. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they don't think of it. Well, even just think of, just, just, just think of five million five years ago. Like, you know, not five years ago. Let's say, let's take five million in 2010, right? 13 years ago. That was a decent amount of money. Today, it's, you know, it's like, eh, that's all right. It's five million, but it, it just doesn't go very far anymore, you know? Hey, I know somebody. Check this out. When when we were looking for a place, every time, every time we went someplace, we'd fill out the app. Okay, because we just moved down here, so we were looking for a house or an apartment. So we would fill out an application, and they would say, okay, that's $50 for you and $50 for your wife. Okay, so we'd give them the 50 bucks each. That's $100. You go and you look at the, at the place, and the place is nice. And you say, hey, this is really, this is really nice. Um what's the, you know, how, what are you looking for for us to move in? How much is it going to cost us? Well, the rent's $2,000 for a small place. The rent is $2,000, so you need first, last, and for, you need a deposit, first and last month's rent. Mm -hmm. $6,000 mm -hmm. to move in an 800-square-foot apartment. You don't. The money doesn't last that long. Look at, look at how much money we were making when day trading started. It was like a monkey could sit down and make money. Yep. If you train the monkey and Goldman Sachs was buying, you're going to be buying that stock. Absolutely. Morgan Stanley, Lehman Brothers, any of the big boys went on and they they were buying and they stayed there and they were buying and buying and buying. I didn't care if they stayed there and was it was trading through them. If they held the line, I was going to buy that stock, and I did. And the thing would reverse, and you made money. But there were guys that 
held on a little bit longer than I did that made a killing. Mm-hmm. I was happy. I was happy making two fifty, four hundred, five hundred dollars. I was happy with that. That was my day. Right, right, right. And it got started changing all the rules that you got into other forms of trading. But we did learn how to read the charts and stuff like that. See, that's what I look at. It was good knowledge for me to be in that because those market makers, man, they would just play with you. They would just jump on the offer. I remember jump, them jumping on the offer. They were half a point down. Oh, I said, no absolutely. way. There's no I'd whack them. He'd move. And I made 500 bucks like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny. I see these people on Instagram. They're uh, posting their their algorithm, right, or they're 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 talking about what whatever their strategy, and they're ultimately selling something, and they'll get you know forty, fifty, sixty comments. You know, people are clamoring for their information, and what I've been doing lately is I go in on Instagram, and I'm like, this guy's blowing smoke. Like, you know, he's it, it's all bullshit. If you have, if you had an algorithm that was so magical, you're not going to be either giving it away for free or letting someone pay you $50 or $100 a month to use it because that's peanuts, right? You're going to fucking put money into that algorithm and it's going to compound and you will become extremely wealthy, right? Um, if you're managing money, you know, you're not going to be managing 10 grand. You're Maybe you're managing, you know, 10 million of someone's money. You're going to have that algorithm do its thing, right? So you're not going to be on Instagram looking to promote your algorithm. Yet these people out there, they all... Trading is very hard, as you know. So these people are looking for an edge. They're looking for this magical thing that doesn't exist. Or we got you got guys on got guys on Instagram saying we use this indicator and that you know MACDs and stochastics and Bollinger Band. It's all a bunch of BS. And I call these people out all the time. And my Instagram, I'm been getting every day. I'm getting more and more followers, two, three, five followers a day. And I said, oh, this is what I need to do. I need to call these people out, tell them they're blowing smoke. And then some of the people DM me and they are asking me, well, you know, you know, what what is your thing on trading? And I basically say what you just said. It's literally you need to learn to look and read the order book. I don't care if it's crypto or if it's stock market. If you don't read that order book, if you don't know what market makers are doing and you're just going by chart indicators or someone's algorithm, you ain't going to make money over time. You're going to get blown up. And it's that simple. No, you're right. When you should... That was the turning point for me when I initially got into crypto. And I wasn't into it for too long. But I, I would, I would, you sit there and you could watch. You could see what the buys and the sells and everything were. So, I mean, and it could reverse quicker than stocks. Oh, yeah, because it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's much, Ill, you know, it's not as liquid as stocks. No, and you learn that too. But mm-hmm. I get them all. And them all coming on to me. Where do they do? They go on... Uh, I'm on uh, TikTok. You have no idea. If you look me up on TikTok, you have no idea who my followers are. I start talking to these people, and you know, a little bit, and they all, I, I don't know, maybe it's because of the name or something like that. I changed the name. But um, I'm not Kid Crypto on there. Right. They, 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 wanna, they want me to invest 500 bucks and at the end of the week, they're going to give me $5 back. Yeah, right. Oh, you can't guarantee me that. Of course not. I know it's an old way of thinking. 
and they might be doing something, but like you had said one time when I was telling you, well, the first thing they want you to do is open up an account. You don't have that. that that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Then okay? where's your money going to go? So when I started looking into it, you started asking questions. Then all of a sudden they pipe down because it does, it's not that easy. It's really not that easy. You have to really follow and you have to look. You have to look where, where support is, how much volume is coming in. You know, how many times I, that I knew wasn't going to go because the volume wasn't coming in. Right. So it, it could have ran up. And if I missed it, I missed it. But I'm not a big risk taker. Right. I, I used to be, but not, not, in this, not in these markets. No way. Yeah. Look at Bitcoin ad now. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So um, the uh, going back to the order book, the order book in the stock market is way easier than the order book in crypto because the order book in the stock market, you can see, like you were saying earlier, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, Merrill Lynch, Lehman Brothers, whoever the buyers and sellers were, and you get to see their patterns. Like every day I would trade Intel. I knew Goldman Sachs was a huge buyer of Intel. He might flip on the offer once in a while. He's doing that just to fucking try to hold it and push it down because he's buying lower. Right. So he's trying to he's trying to signal to the market that he's a seller. And there are some people that will fall for it. They'll hit bids and then he'll come and scoop them up down below, you know, once it drops a quarter point or something. So I got to re I got to learn his his style. Right. And Goldman, I, I say his style could have been a lady. I don't know. But whoever was trading it at Goldman, I learned their style. So it was so easy to pick it off. Uh, in crypto, you don't. In crypto, you don't have that. You know, you you watch the order book. I watch the order book. It's just purely based on order flow. You don't know who the buyer is, so it becomes it's a, it's certainly harder because you'll see these big bids, big big offers come in, and there's no style to learn. You're just going off the 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 absolute order flow. You know what I'm saying? But aren't the orders aren't, aren't the orders grouped, or is it just it's just one guy? So if a guy comes in. And he's got a hundred thousand, whatever. He's got a hundred thousand dollars there. They could be backing him up even at a higher level. Yeah. So it is. It is grouped, right? So let's say all of a sudden, boom, a big bid pops in a hundred thousand dollars, and then that's going to be one person, right? Because if it just popped in, it's just one institution or one person buying a hundred thousand dollars worth of say Bitcoin. But then you might see that hundred thousand go to one hundred one thousand, hundred two thousand, hundred five thousand, right? It's other people popping in, and they're trying to follow that big order without, without just lifting the offer. They're coming in on his behind his bid, right? right. So, so. But my point in the stock market is, if Goldman Sachs comes with a hundred thousand dollar bid, now I know it's actually Goldman Sachs. If I see a hundred thousand dollar bid come in from, you know. Um, from Merrill Lynch, and Merrill Lynch has not been really much, very active in Goldman, in uh, trading Intel, for example. Well, I'm not going to jump on that Merrill Lynch bid the very first time he does it because maybe he's just trying to fake out the market because maybe he's trying to sell somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. So that's the that's my point. When you see the actual name of the market makers, it's a lot easier than just going off the order. But it is what we have in crypto, so you have to learn how to how to use it to your advantage. I know. You, I got. I started, it changed so much that I was lucky enough to have people show me certain levels and how to read candlesticks. And you you remember Vicky, she used to do that. She, she went, she bought books on it and studied it. And she would sit there and tell me, she said, you're in Microsoft. 
are you long? I said, yeah, I'm long. She said, you better be careful because it's going to reverse. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at it and I didn't see that pattern. Mm. I'll be a son of a bitch, man. A little while later, the thing would reverse. And she'd get in and she says, are you out? I said, yeah, I covered. She'd get into it short. So, you know, she on the short side. Yeah, so it's it's funny. So having these spaces, it, it brings back like different memories. So there was a, I'm on the, okay, so I was a retail broker for a few years before I got into trading in the business. One that I got into the trading in the business before I left, retail, right? I told all my clients, I'm no longer going to be retail. So some of the, some of the clients went to this broker and that broker, right? and I kind of spread them around. So this one, one of my clients was very active. He loved to trade with me, right? Uh, but it was literally, he would call me up or I'd call him, you know, what's the play for today or whatever. And he was in and out and stuff like that. So now he goes to um, a broker and he's, he, he had some decent money, right? Um, he was worth a few million bucks and he was messing around with a couple hundred thousand dollars. So he goes to one of the broker I suggested and it's a few years later at this point now he's still with that guy but he's taken about another couple hundred thousand and he's doing it on his own right <laughs> through like <laughs> like e-trade or some shit. So I'm on the golf course with him and a couple of guys I won't say their name but you know them traded with us. So we're on the golf course and he this dude started buying this was right before the dot com bubble. He started buying CMGI. And he had told me he was buying the CMGI a few months earlier on the golf course. So now, fast forward, we're on the golf course. He bought 2,000 shares at, um, it was like, I don't know, like $58. Then he bought like another 2,000 shares at like $52. Then he bought like another 2,000 shares at like $48. And then another 2,000 at like $44. He's got, he's got like, Literally like a quarter million or more in this fucking thing. So we're on the golf course and he says, he's telling the story to the, 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 the guys that we're playing with. And the one dude that we're playing with, all he said was, yeah, I got to tell you, I don't like the chart. <laughs> it's, it's sort of like what you're saying about Vicky. He goes, I don't like the chart. I swear to God, the whole, it was like that was the top. Of the of the internet, it was like the top of the internet bubble. We go to we go Monday to to work, and it was literally everything just starts selling off and continued to sell off for months. Right, this dude held and held and held. <laughs> CMGI became a penny stock. <laughs> he, oh my he God. lost like two hundred eighty thousand dollars in this trade. He would not. You know, this was. His own trading account, like he wasn't going through the broker, right? It was like it would a discount broker. He just would not give in that he was wrong. <laughs> oh, that, oh, that, that, that's see, to me, that's greed. Absolutely, absolutely, it's greed, and I, and not and not being being able to control your emotions, right? No, not at all. I used to write. <laughs> I had a similar experience. This guy I would ride in. His name was Michael. He had a he had a shoe he had a shoe store in uh, New York, um, and I'd ride with him every morning. I met him on a train. I rode him. Uh, I, I rode into Jersey City with him every day and every day coming home. And he found out. I mean, I guess after two months, he now he's asking me what I do. So I told him. I said, oh, I'm a day trader over here um, in Jersey City, blah, 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 blah. Really? 
He says, hey, look at this stock. And he tells me, and I forget what stock it was. He says, look at this stock. He says, tell me, tell me what you think of it. So I look at it. And I'm saying, <laughs> oh, man, this, must, this might be a play. And I told him, I said, I'll look at it. But I'm a day trader. I'm in and out of stocks all day long. You know, I said, I'm clipping an eighth here, a quarter, a half here. Then I'm out. But I was watching this thing since he mentioned it. And I looked at the volume increase since he mentioned it. And it was like five bucks. I played this thing. <laughs> now, this guy throws. This guy at $5 throws like five grand into it. So he buys $5,000 worth of this stuff. I'm playing it. And with, by the end of the week now, it's 10 bucks. Mm, nice. Now, 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 in and out, and I'm saying, oh, wow. And the, back then, the commissions were hefty, you mm, know? Yeah. I'm, I'm playing it. I'm doing my thing. All of a sudden, it gets up to around 30 bucks. And I'm saying to myself, geez, this guy's making a fortune. He bought it all the way up. And he was sitting there telling me how much money he had. So I said, you know, I did that. You know, I made, I said, I made some money, but I'm not, I said, I don't hold on to it. I said, I'm going to tell you. I looked at the chart <laughs> and the chart doesn't look good to me. He says, well, what does the chart say? I said, you don't want to hear it. I said, you just bought some like a 27 or something like that, right? He said, yeah. I said, I don't think it's going to go past 35. It's backed off for 35, a long, uh, and it, it looks like it's coming in with some volume. If it don't go through 35, <coughs> the way stuff is selling off, oh, well, it's not a dot-com. I said, you're right, but if the market sells off, people panic, and they're going to sell because they made a fortune in this stock. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't know, I don't know. I said, just sell a little of it. He was up over... A million dollars. <laughs> what did he do? What happened? Up over a million dollars. Okay, so I didn't. I didn't go into work. I didn't go into work for like a week. I think me and Vicky went away someplace, and I didn't. We didn't go into work for a week. I'm watching the market, and I'm saying, "Oh, I wonder how my, I wonder how Mike is doing," because the thing tanked, and it was down around. It got down in a week. It got down to be around 12 bucks. Mm -hmm. I then go on the train that following Monday, and I see him. I said, hey, Mike, how you doing? He says, all right. No, I'm not saying anything. He's not saying anything. I said, I hope you sold that stock up in the 20s someplace. He says, I'm still holding it. The thing went down to like $4. Oh, my God. This is the guy that had a million dollars locked up. And I told him, I said, I got, I had people that were looking at, maybe I saw something wrong. You know, Vicky looked at it, she was playing it. Then she said, Jimbo, leave it alone, leave it alone, leave it alone. So I left it alone. And you know, I didn't go back into it. But here's a guy, I literally saw him. And he was showing me the stock, what it read, what it was doing and all this. I said, I played it, but I ain't playing all the way down, man, all the way down. Yeah. And he never. Yeah. You know, you know, what people don't realize is 
And it could even happen to a quality name, like an apple, right? Or, you know, whatever you consider a quality name. It, when, when the markets are going to sell off, you said it earlier, when the markets are going to sell off, it doesn't care. The market doesn't care what your opinion is. The market doesn't care what, how quality you think that stock is. It's, everything's going down. When it's risk off, it's risk off, man. And the, oh, yeah. the higher quality names obviously won't go to zero, right? But can they go down 20, 30, 40%, 50%? Absolutely, you know? And then the shitty names, the ones that aren't quality, get decimated. Because when, yeah. that, when, that, when that money flows to a flight of quality, it's coming off. It's coming out of the stock market and it's going to other avenues, right? Whether it's gold or bonds yeah. or whatever. So, and people, they think the stuff is just going to go up forever. It's almost like the market can make you feel like invincible and then on a dime, it will humble you in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yep. And I don't care what market, it could be the stock market, crypto market, gold market, you know, it's just, we've all experienced being in the business for this many years, we've experienced the ups and downs, it's insane, you know? Oh, it is, it's, it's crazy, it's just like these coins, some of these coins that are trading, you just wonder why they got to the level that they got. Yeah, just out of pure, pure excitement, right? It is. I mean, because if somebody gets wind of something and the word gets out, the stock, the, the coin is going to start going up. It's going to start going up. Yeah. But you don't know that much about it or what it's doing. Right. And it may, it may have no utility whatsoever. No, it, it could be it, it could be just somebody saying something about it. And once it gets out in the market. Oh, yeah. Like I've heard so much. And I don't know why it hasn't made a huge move, but I've heard a lot. And you talk about it all the time too, Solana. Well, no, yeah, but it's it's had it's so three weeks ago it was twenty one dollars. Today it's like forty six. Right, but I heard people way back before you started telling me about it, way, 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 way back when it was going up and down, right, up, up and down. There was no there was no pattern to it. Right. Uh, they were supposed to come out and make an announcement. They put that announcement off. That hurt them. Okay. And I was I was just watching it. Now it's 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 doubled. You look at it today and you say you can't look at the hindsight. Right. You, you know these things like Bitcoin. You got to buy like every time, like you had said, every time you get paid. You got to buy some Bitcoin. Doesn't matter where it is. It doesn't matter. Get $50 worth. Get $25 worth. Just keep on buying it every time you get paid. It's like when you when you were younger and your mother turned around and told you, Jimmy, take $5 a week and put it away in the bank. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. My mom passed away a few years ago. I'm 69 years old. If I did that, but and, and I've been retired now for four years, if I took that money that I got every time I got a paycheck and put five dollars in the bank for all of those weeks, you'd ne- I would never have to worry about anything. Yeah, absolutely. Unless yeah. unless the I'll bank failed. <laughs> the what? I said unless the bank failed. 
<laughs> right, unless the bank failed, then you're screwed. So, so, so we, we, I could, we could talk about that real quick. So the, um, what is today? Today's Thursday. Um, I think it was Monday of this week. Uh, J.P. Morgan Chase came out with their earnings. Dude, they have forty billion in in unrealized losses. Okay, now they're the largest bank in in, in America. Um, and I looked up their total deposits. That is two percent of their total deposits. But what does that mean? That means they've got $40 billion worth of unrealized losses, which are sitting in U.S. Treasuries because the Fed went from zero bound interest rates to 55 or 5.3% on the Fed funds rate. So the price of the bonds have collapsed. So they're sitting on this $40 billion in losses. So if every customer of J.P. Morgan Chase tomorrow decided, I want my money, you're going to get 98 cents out of every dollar you have there. So if you've got a mil- if you got $100,000, you're going to walk out of there with 98,000, not your 100,000 you put in there. Okay? Yep. A- excluding the FDIC insurance, right? Because some people have 10 million dollars with them, right? Well, Wells Fargo came out with their earnings. They also have a 40 billion dollar uh, unrealized loss. Well, that's 3% of their deposits because they're not as big, right? right. That's, right. That means if everyone went tomorrow, they don't have the money, you get 90 cents of every dollar you have in there. Well, guess what? I don't know if you use Bank of America, but if you did, I'd pull my money out tomorrow. Bank of America has a, they came out with their earnings, $131 billion unrealized <laughs> losses, which is 7% of their assets. So if every one of Bank of America customers went tomorrow, you get 93 cents on every dollar you have there. That's wow. insane. And the United States government allows this to happen. Matter of fact, the United States government not only allows it to happen, the United States government is the reason it's happening, part of the reason why it's happening. It's insanity what's going on. It's called fra- fractional reserve banking. And they allow these banks, they only have to keep 10 cents of every dollar you have there. So I tell people all the time, you put money in the bank. Yes. You got a savings account. Yes. Guess what? Once you deposit the money in the bank, it is no longer yours. And they're like, bullshit. I'm like, really bullshit? It's no longer yours. I said, what you see on your bank statement is an IOU. The bank is saying, I owe you X amount, whatever you have saved. It does not mean they have to give it to you because they take 90 cents of your money and they go make, and they go make investments. Now, if they'll give it to you because not everyone asks for their money back, but if everyone asks for their money back, that not one bank in America has the money to give back. There's a lady. There's a lady. I cannot remember her name, but she called the bank Custodia uh, Banking or whatever. It's a she. She is trying over the last two and a half years, dude. She's been trying to get a banking license in like Wyoming or some crap, and it's going to be. A bank that um, um, centers around the crypto space, Bitcoin, but it doesn't mean you have you could you could use it as a regular bank, right? You could just have dollars. You don't have to have Bitcoin, right? But she has filed with the banking, whatever FDIC and the banking commissions to get her license multiple times. She is going to be one hundred percent reserved bank, not fractional reserve. So if you put a hundred dollars in there. Your hundred dollars in there. You do not touch your deposits to make investments. How are they going to make money? They simply going to charge people fees, right? So, 
if you go to Bank of America now, there's really, I mean, there's fees, but there's not fees, right? There's certain fees on certain things. If you, if you, if you don't have, if you don't make minimum deposits and stuff like that, there'll be fees. Maybe some of them even do charge a monthly fee, but her bank will, if you put a hundred dollars in, your hundred dollars is there. They do not touch your money for investments. The way they make money is purely off of fees, which will be higher than the normal bank. But she believes there's enough educated people out there that would be like, well, I'd rather pay a higher monthly fee and an annual fee to know all of my money's at the bank. Like her bank doesn't even need the FDIC insurance and the government will not approve it. She just got rejected again about two months ago. How's it? How's it? That's insane, right? Yeah, it's literally, it's ridiculous. The money's never yours. I don't keep a lot of money there anyway. I told Linda that. I said, when it comes to it, I said, if what we're doing pays off, I said, I'm buying a, a dynamite-proof safe. I said, I'm not keeping my money in the bank. Absolutely not. They can close down tomorrow. And God forbid you get hacked. Mm-hmm. God forbid your bank account gets hacked. I, I, had mine, I had mine done, and I, I leave all... <laughs> It's funny that you're talking about a savings account. I leave the money in a savings account, but I, there's not a shit ton there. But I'm just putting enough money in my checking account because I, I got whacked. Mm. Not, not for a lot, but I don't want to, with everything that's, wait, wait, nobody believes me. I've been saying this, and I feel it's coming really quick. You drive down here, and... um I'm on the outskirts of Bradenton and Sarasota, Florida. I'm about 20 minutes out. And the construction that's going on in this state and the prices that they're charging for rent, you 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 would have to you have to put anywhere between 6 and $8,000 down on an apartment. Right. And there's people clamoring to do this, let alone the housing market. It's, it's, it's a seller's market right now down here. If you have a house and you paid, let's say, let's say you got a three-bedroom ranch, okay, and you got the, the pool, um, you have a pool, you have a lanai, you have a decent piece of property, and it's just pure Florida. Okay, and you're going to pay, you're going to pay 300, 350, and that's crazy. The, the prices down here went crazy when, the, when that bubble popped, burst, and it's going to burst. Sooner or later, it's going to burst. All of these people, you thought it was bad when, you thought it was bad back a few years ago. People are going to be jumping off of fucking buildings. Yeah. So you know, it's uh, it's no. I, I. So I my so I just was asked this the other day what I thought real estate. So in my opinion, real estate market. I mean, Florida's boomed. Texas is is booming, and why? Because you have like Texas has got a ton of people coming from California. Uh, Florida's got a ton of people coming from Jersey, New York, right, and Connecticut because those states have been taxing people to death. Blah 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 blah. Right. So we had this initial boom over the last since COVID really exploded yep. Florida. Um, yep. But now with what the Fed did, raising rates as, as fast as they did, 
real residential real estate frozen, dude. It's frozen because if you are if the the worst position to be in are the young couples. The young couple that bought a starter home in 2016 because they just got married and now they got three or four kids and they've outgrown that starter home, they can't sell it because they got a three and a half percent mortgage, maybe a three percent mortgage. They're going to turn around today to mortgage rates are seven and three quarters percent. They can't afford. They can't afford to get a bigger house, right? So they thought they were going to buy a bigger house with a three another three percent mortgage, but they thought wrong. So then now they're saying, well, I, I'm not going to sell. So no one is selling unless they have to sell right now. Literally. No one is selling unless they have to sell or they think they could find a sucker. So people aren't buying because they can't afford it, most people. So it's frozen. The commercial real estate market's getting slammed, dude. There are buildings I read every single day in this city, in that city, wherever. They are getting hammered because commercial real estate, they work on three-year loans, five-year loans, seven-year loans. And they're coming due, and the people and their rent, their their um, occupancy rate is way down. These commercial buildings are down 40, 50, 60 percent, some of them 70 percent. People are getting slammed. Will it spill over to residential? Most likely. When? I have no idea. <coughs> it could happen. What may happen, it might be complete opposite of what everyone's thinking. It might be when the Fed starts to ease again and start to lower rates, we might have Real estate brokers, when they were trying to sell Jim and Jane their house, uh, trying to say, oh, Jim and Jane, you might as well buy now. It's a seven and three quarter percent mortgage because rates are only going to go higher. You might as well buy now. And Jimmy and Jane are saying, uh, no, we can't afford it, so we're not going to do it. Well, when the Fed starts lowering rates and now the mortgage rate's at four and a half or five, that broker's calling Jimmy and Jane saying, hey, man, mortgages came all the way down 5%. And Jimmy and Jane get excited and they go buy. Now they're looking to buy. All of a sudden you get a rush of fucking sellers and it becomes a buyer's market. And then the buyers back away and the, all these sellers come on and, and, and real estate gets, gets slammed. That's what I think is going to play out, which is going to shock everybody. It'll be complete opposite. Everyone's thinking the Fed's going to continue to raise rates, mortgage rates continue to go higher, and then eventually the real estate market's going to implode. I think it's going to be the complete opposite, honestly. Well, if you go – see, I look at it I look at it like this. If I was to buy – say I get a house and I buy a house for three hundred grand. And I'm paying, let's say I pay 7% for argument's sake. I pay 7% on $300,000. If the rates start coming down, depending on how I finance that sucker, if it was worth it for me, a, a, a bank would refinance me. Yeah. What the bank refinance me, I wouldn't have to look for a bigger house. If I refied, I could stay where I am and make my house bigger. But people don't think like that. That money's coming back to me. Right. That's going to come back to me because you're lowering my rate. I'm not, the first the first few years anyway on a mortgage, you're paying all interest. Yes. You're paying off interest. So it really, you know, to me, it behooves you. To, if I saw a good deal on a house, today is the day or now is the time when you would buy, if you're going to live there, you buy a, a, a decent fixer-upper, something that isn't going to go for three hundred thousand. You might be able to get it for two seventy. I would buy a house like that and pay the rate, 
and fix it up because when the market plummets a little bit, you could easily refi that because you've been paying on time. You could easily refi that and you can you can get a piece of change for your house that gives you money to move if you want to. Yeah. But you could stay where you are. That's when I it's different because I used to be in construction too. If I bought a house today, I want something. I wouldn't buy anything. Well, see, now it's just me and, and, and Lynn. So I would look at two bedrooms, two baths. That's what I would need. Two bedrooms, two baths. If I wanted to go higher, I would just get a 3-2. Right, right, right. right. What we used to do back in the day. We bought all ranches when we were flipping houses. I wouldn't flip the house today. There ain't no way. No, you can't. You can't. It's impossible to flip a house today. It's impossible. So that 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 penthouse I showed you down in Miami, uh, yep. eight hundred and twenty-five thousand. So yeah, in, in two thousand and fifteen or sixteen, it sold for right around four hundred. Then in twenty twenty, right before COVID hit, it sold for five. And here it is, three years later, they're trying to sell it for eight twenty-five. They're either cotton picking mine. They're never going to sell it. And I'm I get emails all the time from real estate broker. There's other ones coming on that are just like that. Actually, maybe even a little bit bigger. The one I just got an email today was a three-bedroom, so it was like 150 square feet more than the, the other one. In Miami, you know, same type of building, tall building, blah, blah, blah. They're come, they're, they're, real estate agents are pricing them under eight. They're like 775. So I think it's starting to happen a little bit, and it's going to happen slowly. Miami's really friggin' hot. The reason Miami is so hot, dude, there is so much venture capital money coming to Miami. It's right. off the charts, dude. In 2021 or 2022, whatever it was, there was more venture capital money coming growth-wise coming to Miami than there was in Silicon Valley. Really? Yes. And that's why Miami is so damn hot. And that's it's the place to be because money is flowing. When real estate gets hit, how hard will it get hit? I have no idea because there is a lot of money flowing. But if that $825,000 penthouse can be scooped up for five fifty, dollars man, I would jump on that like white on rice. And that could happen in a year from now if they don't sell it. Yeah, I don't see how they can because I don't know if that's, if that's the case. I don't know if it'll ever be that price again. I mean, I don't know. It's just there. There is just like I said. There's just a lot of money flowing. Not only venture capital, a lot of hedge funds have moved down there. They said, "Screw New York." You know, uh, Carl Icahn. He moved. He moved his shop down from New York down to 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 uh, not Miami. He's in uh, West Palm, but close enough. Um, a lot of different hedge funds. A lot of venture capital money. But will it come to five? Could it get to five fifty? Absolutely, because you've got. They're still building like crazy in Miami, right? So now you're going to have. It, it, excess of inventory of housing, you know, condos and apartment buildings and whatnot. You know, when when you, just what we were saying before, when 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 the people panic out of the stock market, they, they do the same thing in real estate, right? They just like ah, just just sell it, just sell it as fast as you can. Yeah, get rid of it. Get rid of it. You know, I was just I was saying I was saying this to a friend of ours. Um, she <clears throat> she was in the army. She got her. So now she's on disability. She gets an income, and she's probably going to be permanently disabled, 100% disabled. So she's sitting there looking to get an apartment, and she's got to pay six grand to get in the apartment. I said, are you crazy? I said, we went through the same thing. 
we waited and waited and waited and waited. And we're not in a big apartment right now. To me, this is great. This is heaven where I am. The dogs go out. They're on property. There's nobody near me. I'm out in the country. I got cows and horses down the road. Now, but I'm paying, uh, you know, for this, it's, it's less than 700 square feet. But it's me, Lynn, and two dogs. Right, right, right. All right? all it is. And, yeah, it's small. It's cute. It's nice. But you walk outside, and it's like, now now down in Florida, it's beautiful. Right, sure, absolutely. It's cool and everything else. If, if I was to go, and I told her, I said, listen, you're throwing your money. If you do, you, it looks like you're going to get your disability and you're going to be 100% disabled. You're not going to get that much more money. Take the money that you have instead of getting it together to move into an apartment. Let's look for a house for you. I said, I, I mean, I know and Lynn's son knows. We know what to look for. Get something that needs a little bit of work and you don't mind painting and stuff. You did it in Oklahoma. You don't mind painting and stuff. So if you don't mind doing that kind of stuff, you have somebody come over. I said, Lynn's son can do it. He knows what he's doing. I said, he can start fixing it up. I said, and you just stay. Don't go anyplace. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the interest rate, screw the interest rate. Money, make an investment in real estate because you're young. You're in your early 30s. You're not going to go anyplace. Stay here. Make your payments because you never lose money in real estate. Yeah, exactly. Over time. Over. You know, and it, it's funny you say that. So um, I tell people all the time, <clears throat> look at the stock market. Look at real estate market. Over time, you're not going to lose money. Long term, it's, it's not going to happen, right? And right. part of the – not the only reason – but a big part of the reason why, and people don't understand this, is because the dollar continually goes down in purchasing power. Think about it. Right. You build a house. You build a house 15 years ago for that 300000 you're talking about. Everything's brand new. The walls, the pipes, the electrical, the roof, the this, the that, and the other thing. 15 years later, that $300,000 house is now 600000 Yet you haven't replaced the walls, the pipe, the electrical, this, that, and the other thing. How do you figure? How did it go up? How did it double? It doubles because the dollar's purchasing power is continually eroding. Yes, there's some supply and demand issues and da-da-da. God's not making any more land. I get all that. The bottom line is the shit in that house, the bones of that house are 15 years older. Maybe you replaced appliances. Maybe you put in new tile or carpet. But the bones are 15 years older. You haven't replaced the studs, right? You haven't most likely haven't replaced the plumbing and the electrical. It should not be worth double. It should go the other way, like a car, right? A car goes down in value because they just keep producing cars, cars, cars. It's the do- purchasing power of the dollar. Dude, I'm tr- I, was tr- I was looking at a brand new, leasing a brand new Cadillac, right? For- $44,000 Cadillac. They come back to me. They're like, look, this is what it, this is. It was almost 900 a month. I said, I started laughing. I said, you got to be out of your mind. I said, the Mercedes I just had that I was leasing, it was a 45, it was a $1,000 more than the car I'm looking at now. And the payments were like four, eight, 409 a month. He's like, 
right? He says, he says, yeah. He's like, but look what happened to interest rates. I'm like, well, dude, I ain't spending $900 a month on a car. I'm like, I'm just not. He's like, well, you know, let me see. And then he, and then he calls me back like two days later, sends me a text. He's like, my, the finance manager called in some favors and he pulled some, gave you some discounts and it, I could get it for you for seven, uh, seven ninety nine a month. I said, dude, I said, I'm not spending 800 for a $44,000 car. I said, sell it to someone else. That's why I sold. I told him. I said, forget it. I said, sell it to someone else. Guess what? Him, now is the, the other finance manager. They've been texting me, blowing up my phone. Are you going to come in this weekend? How about next week? Well, I thought there's so many people that want to buy cars. Why do you keep coming after me? Yeah, right. Because there aren't people looking to buy cars. <laughs> Uh, I, I literally tell them, you want me to get that car? You got to figure out how to be $400 a month because that's what I'm willing to pay for a $40,000 car. That's simple. If you can't figure it out, yep. I ain't going to buy it. Sorry. Go sell it to someone else. They have no one else to sell it to. <laughs> no. You, know, you see all the cars, the, 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 auto, the car industry took a beating and only the big boys survived. That's right. Because uh, you, you ride by a car dealership and you see a few cars in that dealer in that lot. He's moving cars. People don't look at it that way, but he's moving cars. You go by one of these bigger places and they have everything that you want. He paid a lot for them cars. Yeah. And he, he can't. It's not like the old days. It's not like the old days. They probably God only knows what kind of deals they give. They give dealerships for moving so many cars because it's not easy. Right. It is not. And I think it was. Well, it was when I was back in 1999 or early 2000. I had I I had I I, I was leasing a car. I was leasing two two Eldorados. Mm. One was for one was for Vicky. It was that nice ivory white. Okay, it was a sport model. It was only two hundred and seventy five dollars. Mm -hmm. I was I, I had the regular one with that North Star engine in it and everything else. Beautiful evergreen green um, car, and I was paying like three twenty five. Yep. $900 car today. Yeah, absolutely. They're out of their minds. Sorry. Ain't going to do it. I'm not going to. We got that G, that GMC. We have a, we, we had a Nissan when we were, when we were in Vermont, we had a Nissan and that's what we needed. We needed an all wheel drive. It served its purpose. That Nissan only had about, it had about 135,000 miles on it and it, it just went kaput. So we sold it. I got a, and this is a 20, it's, I think it's a 2015, it's a 2015 GMC Terrain. Mm. I'm paying $420 for the car. Crazy. I'm not going to, I, I thought, because we haven't bought, we have, we owned the Nissan. Right. We paid cash. It was an older model. I think it was like a 2007 so basically, we got a newer used car. I mean, the car's got 104, 105,000 miles on it, so it's still got a ways to go. And 
I don't want to pay four. I don't want to pay four twenty-five for it. Yeah, I don't blame you. But I, I didn't have an option. Right, right. I, I, I had to get a car, and I, I did it. And my interest rate was like, oh my god! I said, I can't believe this crap. Right, it's crazy. I'll never do it again. I'll so, never do it again. So, um, I just want to wrap up a little bit, but I wanted to go back and before you came on, I was just talking about two big items that was in the news today. So the first one was there was a rumor that BlackRock was was filing for an Ethereum ETF, and then that rumor was confirmed by the Nasdaq. So um, Ethereum, last I looked, which was an hour and a half ago, was up like eleven percent today, dude. Oh wow! So it makes, and I was right before you came on, I was saying it makes all the sense in the world for BlackRock to have and these other companies to have an Ethereum ETF. Obviously, with the Bitcoin ETF, that's most likely going to be approved soon. Um, there's a lot of capital that's going to flow. It's enormous. I, I, I made a thread on Bitcoin on uh, Twitter on the Bitcoin on institutional money coming into the Bitcoin um, uh, ETF, and that thread has gotten about fifty thousand uh, views on it. Um, it. It's just the the money that's going to come is is just going to be enormous, and it's not going to happen all at once. Some people think it's you know it's going to happen. Boom, you know the thing's going to go bonkers. I, that's not what's going to happen. The the way it works is. Um, investment advisors, uh, uh, stockbrokers, these type of people, they're going to be incentivized to push that product, right? So, they'll, and how they get incentivized through commission. So they're going to be paid a little bit higher commission than they would if they were selling a regular ETF or a regular stock, whatever. So now they're going to be, all right, well, they're going to want to sell it. And what they're going to start doing is they're going to tell their clients, let's allocate 1% of your assets to, to Bitcoin. So you got $100,000 portfolio, you're going to put $1,000 in Bitcoin. But that gets spread over thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of clients, right? So the, the progression of an investment in an ETF, and you can see this with the gold ETF, it's the, the investment advisors allocate 1% over the first two to three, four years. That number is going to get bumped to about two, two and a half percent after that for the next three, four, five, six years. And then it's going to get bumped to eventually about 5% from, say, eight, year 8 to about 8 to year 12. So it's going to be in the neighborhood of 5%. If they get a little more aggressive, it could get 6 or 6.5%. So of the companies that have recently filed for a Bitcoin ETF, BlackRock, Fidelity, VanEck, uh, ARK, and several others, there's like 8 or 9 of them. They manage collectively $27 trillion. Oh, <laughs> Okay, of investment advisors in America, investment advisors, and I'm not talking about a retail account that someone has at E-Trade, an actual investment advisor slash stockbroker, they manage $48 trillion. Okay, so if you do the math, 1% of 27 trillion, 1% of 48 trillion, that's what's coming in the next two to three years into a Bitcoin ETF. Maybe it gets split up between Bitcoin and the Ethereum ETF when that sucker gets approved. The news with the Ethereum, what I was saying before you came on, was it's so exciting for BlackRock because Ethereum is a cash flow. You can model Ethereum based on cash flow like you do a stock. And VanEck has proved that. Fidelity has proved it. Ethereum, there's the whole staking aspect of Ethereum. So what, what is BlackRock going to do? They're going to have this ETF that they're going to be selling on the stock market. Billions and billions of dollars are going to come in for the Ethereum. 
Bitcoin ETF and the Ethereum ETF. They're going to take the, they have now that billions of dollars come in, they have to buy Ethereum. Well, they're going to buy the Ethereum. Guess what? They can then take that money and they're going to stake it in Ethereum. Then that staking generates cash flow for the person that's, or the entity that staked it. BlackRock's not going to take that staked capital that's coming in, that return from the staking, and give it to the ETF holders. BlackRock's going to keep it to themselves. So BlackRock's not only making a commission on selling the Ethereum, they're going to be making the, the, the yield on the staking. It's a beautiful model. And guess what's oh, yeah. going to come after? Once Ethereum gets approved, guess what's going to come? Solana's going to come because BlackRock's going to file a Solana ETF. That's coming. Probably in the next two to three years, that's coming. So the, the amount of capital coming in is absolutely, absolutely enormous. The other thing I wanted to talk about, which was huge news today, was the Treasury auction. Okay, So I did a post five days ago, I think it was, that's starting to get a little bit of traction. And basically, I'm calling it, um, I'm basically calling it a debt loop. And I explained what's happening. Okay, And today's news on the Treasury auction only confirmed of what I wrote about five or six days ago. So, so the, the U.S. government from the Treasury Department last week, they, and you can look it up, I could give you the link to the, to the actual website from the Treasury Department, and they have the document right on there. They said, this com combined between this quarter and next quarter, we're going to be putting on somewhere in the neighborhood of $1.6 trillion in debt. In six, in six months, okay? This is from the United States Treasury Department. Now, that's their estimate. Most likely, that's wrong. Most likely, it's wrong to the low side, right? So most likely, the debt's going to be even higher than that number. But let's just go with that number. What they don't tell you in that press release is that major, major countries are now net sellers of U.S. Treasuries. Okay, China, Japan is the largest holder of U.S. Treasuries. They recently have become a net seller. China, the second largest, they've become a net seller. Many other countries, net sellers. Well, what does that mean? They're still buying Treasuries, but they're selling more than they're buying. Well, why are they selling more Treasuries of our Treasuries with our Treasuries at 5%? You would think, oh, they'd want to buy more, right? They're being net sellers because the dollar is so strong against other currencies they have to become net sellers to raise money for themselves to support their dollars. So in Japan, they're trying, they're, they're selling U.S. Treasuries. They're buying yens to support the yen because they don't want the yen to become weaker against the dollar. All right? China's doing the exact same thing. So now we're going to have $1.6 trillion in new debt in the next six months. How are we going to fund it if these countries are becoming net sellers? Well... We're going to have to fund it because we're going to have to knock on the Federal Reserve's door and say, hey, Mr. Federal Reserve, Jay Powell, you need to buy some of our treasuries. So it's almost like you run a household and you've got all this debt. You own all the credit cards. Well, I'm going to borrow against my house to pay the credit cards. And then you buy more shit on your credit card and you got to borrow more against your house to pay the credit card. So it's a debt loop. You're in a loop. You can't get out of it. So... The Treasury is going to knock on the Fed's door, say, you guys got to buy our Treasuries. Okay, Fed. The, tre the Fed says, okay, Mr. Treasury. Well, we don't have the money. Where's the money going to come from? The Treasury says, well, we, we can just print it. So we're going to print you a trillion dollars. Oh, okay. They print the trillion dollars. They give the trillion dollars to the Fed. The Fed goes in the open market, and they buy the Treasuries. It's a loop that you cannot get out of. Now, today's news, 
the 30-year Treasury auction market was horrific. The second worst Treasury market of all time. Okay? There's something called the tail. The tail is basically the difference between the highest yield during the auction compared to the expected yield when the auction first started. Just today, right? That tail, the second worst in the history of America. Okay? And why? Because these countries have become net sellers, so they're not bidding in the auction. So guess what? Right? So guess what? The Treasury had to tell the Fed, you need to step in. And they actually, the, the Treasury even called the banks, like Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase, said, hey, you guys need to step in and buy some of our treasuries. And they had the Fed buy some treasuries today because the tail was horrific, right? So <coughs> any, the, the, the only other time it was worse than what happened today was I think in 2000 and maybe 15 or 16, the Fed was trying to wind down their, they were slowing down their QE and they were starting to go QT, quantitative tightening. And that, that happened, the Fed reversed and started QE again. So I don't know if today sparks the Fed to start a QE, but if it ain't today, it's coming real soon. So what does that mean? They have to print more money on top of the money that the Treasury needs, right? That the Treasury is going to print the Fed to buy the Treasuries. The Fed is going to have to ask the Treasury to print even more money because they need to step in and not only buy their bonds, they're going to have to buy mortgages and all other kind of stuff to avoid a complete collapse, so it's it's a complete debt loop, and that's why you're seeing these things like, you know, gold is almost two thousand dollars an ounce, Bitcoin's where it is, Ethereum's where it is, and it's only just getting started, dude. This is I I cannot stress it enough, I, dude. I'm telling people that I know around here, the younger guys, I've been hounding them, pounding them to try, just buy some Bitcoin, like you were saying earlier. Whatever you make a, 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 your paycheck, take a small amount that's not going to hurt you, $25, $50, whatever it is, and buy it every two weeks. And the, so many people are so reluctant because they don't understand it. They don't grasp it. You know what I end the conversation with after multiple times of pounding them to do it and they keep refusing? I said, dude, I said, don't knock on my door in five years and ask me to borrow money because I am not going to lend it out. I just will not. I'm telling you now what to do. And if it don't work, you're not going to get hurt, right? Because you spend probably more than $50 a friggin' every two weeks on coffee or some shit. I said, but if it works out, you're going to be so set. I said, don't ask me to borrow money in five years. Just don't do it. (laughs) And when I say that to them, their eyes light up and then they kind of giggle. And I think it sets off like, huh. (laughs) <laughs> like maybe he's on to something. <laughs> yeah, you think? You, you think? think? Listen a little bit. You think? No, I hear you. I just said that to Lynn the other day. I said from now on, when we get paid, I said I'm going to take money and I'm buying Bitcoin. I'm just going to keep buying Bitcoin, little by little by little by little by little. It doesn't even have to be a lot. Like, like <clears throat> I tell people. So let's say you have $100,000, and let's say you had that $100,000 in 2015, for example. If you took 1% of your portfolio, $1,000 friggin' dollars, and they bought Bitcoin then, that 1000 would most likely be worth more than the entire 100000 today. 
Yep. That's how much exponentially it has increased. And yep. there, every four years, I don't know if you know, but every four years there's a halving. Right. It, it's programmed in. The halving is coming up next April or May 2024. So what does that mean? Well, that means every four years the amount of Bitcoin that's released to all the miners gets cut in half, right? So they're earning less. I didn't know this part. I was listening to a podcast today. The guy was saying, the, in gold, we have an idea of how much gold is on the planet, but we don't really know. So throughout recent history, the last 150 years of the gold market, gold has averaged 1.2% uh, inflation rate. Okay? Meaning one, one, the, the amount of gold increases 1.2% a year. That's out there. That gets like newly mined Bitcoin, uh, newly mined gold, right? So what I didn't know, I didn't know that number. I did know that right now Bitcoin's inflation rate is 1.8%. Okay? But when the halving comes in May or April next year, the Bitcoin inflation rate's going to be cut in half. So it's going to drop to 0.9%, which is then less than the gold's inflation rate. And then in four years, we're going to cut in half again. In four years, cut in half again. So with a limited supply of never, 20, never more than 21 million and all this money coming in from the institutions over the next 10 to 12 years, this thing is, has the potential to literally be worth millions of dollars per coin. Millions. I mean, I, I believe it goes to two to four million dollars over the next ten to fifteen years, to maybe twenty years. <clears throat> the global assets are nine hundred trillion today. Global assets, you know, debt uh, and assets. So, without any increase, which you know there will be an increase over the next fifteen to twenty years of those assets, but let's just say nine hundred trillion. If five percent of that nine hundred trillion comes in to Bitcoin over the next 15 to 20 years. That's $45 trillion market cap, which puts it at a, over a $2 million Bitcoin. Wow. Right? So Damn. only 5% of total assets. So it, it, it's, it's going to happen, dude. There, it's, it's, the only way it doesn't happen is if every nation on this country decides to ban Bitcoin. And that ain't going to happen because of the ideologies of the nations. Right? If China said today Bitcoin's completely... Illegal, the United States will be, oh my God, we love Bitcoin, right? Because we hate each other. Or if the United States says Bitcoin's completely banned and illegal, China will be like, we love, we love Bitcoin because we hate each other, right? So it's never going to happen. There will always be a Bitcoin market. I saw, I saw something, I didn't read it yet, bookmarked it, where China and Russia came to some deal. Oh, no way. I didn't read it. I just saw them them shaking hands i didn't know if it was real or not mm. i said what are they what are they skeet out so this whole this, this whole terrorist attack in israel right what was it three weeks yep. ago or something elizabeth yep. warren this is how dumb our politicians are okay <laughs> elizabeth warren comes out and said that hamas or whatever they're called ama whatever the hell they're called that they funded some of that, they funded that terrorist attack with like $400 million worth of Bitcoin. Okay? And it was in the Wall Street Journal, I believe the article was, or the New York Times. This lady lied 
through her teeth and will not will not apologize. And neither will the publication that did it with the New York Times or, or the Wall Street Journal. They will not apologize. There are companies and people out there that are experts in blockchain forensic, right? right. Because the blockchain is an open ledger for the world to see. Guess what? Right. Guess what? They said, all right, well, let's confirm what she said. Let's look at the Bitcoin blockchain. It was a complete lie. There's no transactions whatsoever that justify what she said. No. Yeah. She's a moron. She, they're, they're so dumb, they don't understand how it works. So whenever they lie, we could say, oh, okay, well, let's just go look at the, let's go look at the ledger. It's right there for you to see. Stop lying. Yeah. And now they won't even apologize. And neither will the New York, whatever it was, the Wall Street Journal, New York Times. They won't apologize for lying. Yeah. No, they won't. Everything is, everything's upside down, man. Mm-hmm. Everything is upside down in this country right now. I've never seen anything like it. I have never seen anything like it either, dude. I, I agree 100%. It's, it's like the world's gone nuts. It's off the chain. I'm serious. It's off the chain. You go into Walmart now. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't, uh, it's not to rile anybody up or anything, but, um, I don't even feel safe if I'm out like in Walmart or anything, if I'm out at the grocery store or something. So, and down here I could easily get a, uh, a gun. Yeah. Right. I said, I said, I'm, I'm going to be back in soon when. I said, because you just, you don't know, you don't know, Uh, it's not funny, but I think about this all the time. You go into a place, you go into Walmart, and you want to talk to somebody in customer service, so you ask for the manager. (laughs) Walmart comes back to you and says, "Uh, we don't have a manager available but we have what they call coaches. You have what we you call coaches. Okay, what coach is in charge? And they tell you who the coach is, and that's the person that you got a problem with. Yeah, there you go. So if that's the case, now let's say you said that to me, and I was, I had three kids, I lost my job, I'm getting my house. Re- I'm, 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 I'm late on my mortgage. They're going to repossess my house. My car that I'm paying for is going to get repoed. I'm, I'm screwed. And then you have a problem in a store like this. You want to know why people go off the deep end? <laughs> right. Serious. <laughs> I mean, at least I have a halfway decent head on my shoulder. But that's what happens with these people. Oh, no, he was a nice guy. Yeah, he was real nice. I can't believe it. He <laughs> I shot, can't believe it. I can't believe it. He shot 17 people. Well, how are they doing? Well, 17 of them are dead. Four are in the hospital. Right. Oh, He's, God. You don't know what to say with that, man. It's crazy out there. Well, the, the, other, the other day at work, some guy walking through, and, and one, of the, one of the kids is like, that's the second time I've seen it. Who the hell is that guy? So I, I'm like, what? And I'm like, where'd he go? He's like, he's in the lunchroom. So I go in there and he's, you know, he's by himself and he's over by the food. And I go walking over. I'm like, hey, I go, hey, I'm like, who the hell are you? 
And he turns, he looks at me, he's like, oh, he's like, I'm so-and-so, whatever his name was. He's like, I work here. I'm like, you work here? I said, I've never seen you. I'm like, because uh, the doors, you know, you could just walk in, right? The doors are unlocked. I said, right. I said, I said, you got ID? Let me see your ID. And he pulls out his ID. I'm like, all right. I'm like, why are you here? Like, this is not the time you normally work. He's like, oh, he's like, well, I had a car problems, so I kind of got stranded here and blah, blah, blah. I was like, all right. I was like, well, so I come walking out, and one of the kids, he'd followed me in. He's like, dude, he's like, you were so aggressive. I'm like, what? I wasn't aggressive. I'm like, I'm like, I was just, I'm just being me. Like, like I'm not aggressive. They're so not aggressive out here that when my, my, assertive personality comes out, they think it's me being aggressive. I'm not, I'm not being aggressive. What if this dude came in with a gun and just started blasting people? You know, like, who the hell are you? Like, you know, I don't care who the hell you are. Get the hell out. So. Yeah, that's how it happens, man. Yeah, that's how that's it happens. Why it's, Why do you walk in, Why do you walk into a post office and start shooting people? Because the person behind the counter is a bitch. There you go. That's right. That's, the person behind the counter is a bitch. <laughs> I'm coming in there with guns blazing. All right, man. Well, this was a good one. It was longer than I thought it would be, but it was good. We'll do it again next week. Okay. All right, man. You be good, buddy. Yeah, yeah. you too. Ciao. Uh, yeah. Bye-bye.